The following is a sermon from the Vicar and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Have you ever met somebody that's too much? Like, they have too much energy or they, they talk too much or... For some reason, they just don't act like a normal person would. They're too much. I think that's what the Pharisees thought of Jesus. And I think that because when they saw Jesus eating with tax collectors and prostitutes, they said, look, he even eats with them. He's too much. But Jesus knew that they were thinking this. And he knew their hearts. But he also knew that their real problem was not that Jesus was too much for them. But that their father was too much for them. And so he begins to tell a series of three parables. He tells a story about a lost sheep. And then a lost coin. And it's like priming the pump for this last great parable. The parable of two lost sons. And what Jesus is doing in this parable is he's coming out to those Pharisees that were in the background murmuring. And he's saying, your father is too much. But you need a father that's too much. Don't stand on the outsides and not join the party because your father's too much. Because we need a father that's too patient, too gracious, and that's too welcoming. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel this morning comes from Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. 
I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, All these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. What's the worst part about what the younger son did? There's a series of of things he does. Maybe it's the fact that he, he slept with prostitutes. That's pretty bad in their culture. It's pretty bad in our culture. But I think for the the hearers of that day, I don't think that was the worst part. Maybe it was the fact that this younger son left his father to work for a Gentile farmer in a distant land. And not only that, do you know what type of farm he was on or what was in the fields with him? Pigs. The most dirty, impure animal a Jew could think of. This was disgusting for them. And and not only that, the younger son is there wanting to eat pig food. And with the pigs, this would have been really disturbing for them. But I still don't think that's the worst thing that the younger son did. I think the worst thing was that he asked his father to die. And maybe you, you think I'm exaggerating a little bit with that. But when he went to his father and asked for his share of the inheritance, he was basically saying, I don't want a relationship with you anymore. You're dead to me. Just give me my money and I'm gone. And to make this point even clearer, the Greek word for inheritance here is life. He asked for his father's life. Like, can you imagine your 18-year-old son or daughter coming up to you and asking for your inheritance in advance? Like, that's so disrespectful, and no good father would let their kid get away with that. But what does the father do? He divides his estate. That's too patient. 
That's too patient to, to a fault. And if the father wasn't already patient enough with, with doing that, we see another sign that he's extremely patient. Look at verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. When do you see something that's a long way off? You, you see something in the distance when you're looking for it. There the father was. It's like he woke up every morning with his cup of coffee, went out to his porch in his rocking chair, and every morning he was searching that horizon, waiting for his brother, for his son to come back home. That's too patient after what he did to him. Every morning, day after day, year after year, it's too patient. You know, some of us here are parents, and you might have a son or daughter that's gone astray. And I guess what I want to tell you this morning is your father is that patient with your son and daughter, that they're the type that he is, is the searching the horizon every morning type of patient with your son and daughter. And we have our limits as human parents, but our father in heaven is too patient. And that's a great thing. We can have confidence in that. That was a, a little bit of a digression, but I felt like I needed to say that. Can we get back to, to this question of, why the older brother was mad. Like, he might have been mad that his father was too patient with his younger brother and that he let him get away with all this stuff. But I don't think that's the primary reason why he's mad. I think the real reason is that his father was too gracious. His father was too gracious to be fair. Look at what he says in verse 29. This is the older brother. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. When this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? Don't you feel at least a little bit bad for the older brother in this story? Like, there he was, the loyal son, the hardworking one. He did everything, and he didn't even get a little young goat. It's like he didn't even get one little birthday cake in all the years that he worked for his dad. But when his brother comes home, he didn't deserve anything. The father pulls out all the stops for him, gives him everything. Like, That's not fair. It's really not fair. And in a way, our Heavenly Father is not fair. But we don't want a Heavenly Father that's fair. Because if we had a Heavenly Father that's fair, we wouldn't be alive right now. 
And if we had a heavenly father that was fair, we could kiss heaven goodbye. To be honest, we've all done things worse than, than being in and in feeding pigs. We don't want a God that's fair. And we might know that, that we don't want a God that's fair. But sometimes we might act and live like we want a fair God. And maybe it's good for us to think about what it looks like if we're acting or thinking like we want a fair God. And maybe we can realize if we are, if we either have a really high view of other people or if we have a really low view of people. Have you ever, in, in the back of your mind, had this thought flowing in your head? I kind of think that people live, that people that live good lives stick to their religion. Kind of think that those people are going to go to heaven. And if you may have not said that out loud, but maybe you think that in the back of your mind. And if you're thinking that, it might be a sign that you want a fair God. Or maybe we can recognize it by a low view of other people. And, and it, looks like, it looks like this. When someone criticizes you, it floors you. You can't handle criticism. But on the flip side, you're ruthless in criticizing others for everything they do. Or you're watching the news and you're seeing the headlines and you say, I can't believe these people are doing this thing. I can't believe it. And if that defines you, maybe it's a sign that you want a fair God. That you're acting and thinking like you want a fair God. Because here's the thing. The way that we see others is probably how we see ourselves. If we think that other people can be good enough to get to heaven, we probably think that we're good enough to get to heaven. Or if we can't believe how sinful other people are, we probably can't believe how sinful we are. If we want to judge people by the way, we, by the way they live, we probably want to be judged by our God, by the way we live. But we don't have a God that's fair at least humanly fair. How did the father answer the claim that he wasn't fair when his older brother, when the older son came at him? Well, he said in verse 31, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. What do you mean I never gave you a goat to celebrate? What do you mean I never threw a party for you? Everything is yours. You thought you had to work your way to get that goat or to get my love and affection? It's already yours. And here's the point. If you think that by some way 
you're going to climb the ladder up to God, or that you're going to balance the good in your life with the bad, or that you are going to look down on other people and that's going to make you more pleasing to God, then stop it. Our God is too gracious to be fair. He's way too gracious. We can't earn God's favor. He's already given it to us. In Jesus Christ, he's given you everything. Stop trying to work for it. Father is too gracious to be fair. And that makes him one last thing. It makes him too much of one last thing. Too welcoming. You know, something that really gets me in this parable is that the father doesn't just go out to that younger son. He also goes out to the older son that was pouting. He's not a Pharisee to the Pharisees. He's not self-righteous against the self-righteous. He loves both, and he wants both to come into this feast. Now, most of us fall into one of two categories, and maybe we change categories throughout our lives, but, but generally speaking, we're, we're either in this side of, of self-discovery or we're kind of in this by-the-books group. And, and we look at the other side and the way they live their lives, and we think that the other one is, is dumb for, for thinking that they're going to find fulfillment in, in living that way. But the father realizes that both of these sides are completely lost. And he loves, and he comes to both sides, and he wants everyone to join him at the feast. He's too welcoming to leave anybody outside. You know, Christians are often pegged as, as being judgmental. And if that's true, like it's pretty sad. Because... In all reality, Christians should be the least judgmental people out of anyone. I know you know this, but, but the doors to the sanctuary and the doors to this church are open to everybody. It doesn't matter your past, where you've been, what you've done. The doors are open wide because our Father's arms are open wide. Are we honest? Absolutely. Are we... Are we going to call a sin a sin? Absolutely. But judgmental? No. If we see ourselves as that lost son that was just taken in by the love of his father, we can see everyone else in that same way. And we can welcome people just like our father welcomes people. And isn't that what we want? Don't we just want more people at this feast, more people at this party to eat and dance and celebrate with? Because we have a father that's too much. He's just too much, and we have to celebrate that. He's too patient, he's too gracious, and he's too welcoming, and all for our good.